Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're here to talk PGA Best Ball 2024. That's right, Best Ball, the very growing, beloved format of fantasy football, is now coming to golf. Underdog Fantasy has um, released the first wave of Best Ball draft contest for the 2024 PGA Tour season. Um, and so what we're going to do here in this video is we're going to break down the format of Best Ball. We are going to go over just kind of a quick overview of the rules, um, some kind of need-to-know information that you're going to need if you want to be successful with PGA Best Ball, um, and then some strategy and just kind of tips, and then we are going to do a live draft here on the show as well. So if you're looking to play PGA Best Ball for the 2024 season, this is your one-stop shop to um, you know kind of help give you what you need to be successful in this new and exciting format. Now, if you like what you see here on this episode, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the audio feed on Spotify and Apple as well. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop because we will be here every week of the PGA Tour season, talking about each individual PGA Tour event as well. We're not just a best ball channel. And also, we do college basketball this time of year as well. So um, if you subscribe to the channel, you can get notified when those episodes drop as well. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into this new format. <laughs> All right, so if you were watching on YouTube, you can see I made a nice little Google Slides presentation just to kind of be like um, a visual aid and keep my thoughts organized um, as well as, you know, kind of a window for you guys to see. So if you want to screenshot or like take your own notes or like change your own rankings or make your own spreadsheets, whatever, you can do that based off of what you're seeing here. So here are the basics of PGA Best Ball. So the primary site right now that is doing Best Ball is Underdog Fantasy. Um, if you do not have an account on Underdog, use my promo code MCONLY88. That's off my personal account. It will get your first deposit matched up to $100. So basically, if you plan on doing $50 worth of drafts, you deposit $50, put in that promo code um, before you deposit, and then you'll be able to do $100 of drafts because you'll have an instant bonus $50 because they'll match your deposit. So anyway, Underdog is the app slash website that is doing all the drafts right now. Um, and that is where this is going to kind of be mostly based off of. So in Best Ball, you're going to draft a team of 10 golfers. There are no ads, drops, or trades. And six of those 10 golfers will have their scores count towards your team's score every single week. And then the top scoring team at the end of each segment advances. So you're going to draft against uh, five other people. And if you were able to outscore those five people over the first segment, you will advance to segment two. There will then be a new lobby where you'll have to advance to segment three and four and five. And segment five is the final. And that is where all the money is going to be made. Now, there are some nuances of this format, right? So the most important thing in best ball is you want to get six golfers in the field each week. So that way you can have six guys counting for your team's score every single week. If you have a gap, if you only have five or four playing and you're getting a zero, whereas somebody else is getting points, that is a supreme disadvantage in best ball. Now, one thing that's worth noting about the scoring is underdog does not give bonus points for placement or wins. It's just for the um, the, the scoring in the actual 18 holes of golf, right? So you're going to get points for birdies, eagles, minus points for bogeys, bonus points for like streaks and bogey free, free rounds, but you're not getting points for placement or wins. So um, getting a guy who wins the tournament is going to be nice because obviously they're going to probably score the most fantasy points that week, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a bonus for that. It's not going by money earned either. So guys that play in an event and miss the cut, you're still going to get credit for their points, even though they miss the cut. So 
that kind of makes it just as important not to have six golfers in the field each week, but to have six golfers get through the cut each week so that way all six of your guys are going to get points for playing all four rounds. Signature events are only going to have 60 players and no cut. So if you have your almost your entire lineup playing in the signature event, you're going to have a lot of guys to choose from, and they're all going to get four rounds. That is going to be kind of like... I don't want to say an equalizer, but it's going to be hard to separate yourself from the field in signature events uh, unless you do really well picking the golfers because pretty much everybody you're going to be drafting against is going to have six guys that get all four rounds. Also, with the scoring setup how it is, events with easier scoring conditions are going to give out more fantasy points because there's going to be more birdies and eagles and the like to go around. So um, the, all those birdie fest events that don't always have the best fields, there's going to be a lot of points that come from those events. And so you're still going to want to make sure that you get six guys in the field, especially at those events. But the bottom line is, and if you play best ball football, you can kind of relate to this. You have to have those six scores every single week. It's like when you play best ball football, you want to have your bye weeks covered, right? Right? You don't want to draft two quarterbacks with the same buy and then get a zero from the quarterback position on that week. It's a similar concept. You want to make sure that you have six guys playing in every single golf tournament for the entire season. Now, to do that, you're going to want to play a lot of guys who play a lot of events, right? So what I did was I went on Datagolf. This is not there anymore. This is this was last season. Um, Datagolf, great website, by the way. It's free to use. Um, great tools for if you play PGA DFS or bet or play best ball. A lot of good stuff on there. So what I did was I sorted by the guys who played the most events last season. And what you will notice is that a lot of the guys near the top of the list were not near the top of the FedEx Cup standings because some of them aren't all that great. So if you look at the top of the list, Mark Hubbard, Adam Long, and Kevin Tway played the most events. Mark Hubbard is the only one of those three that qualified for the FedEx Cup playoffs, and he only qualified for the first event. Now, what I do like, though, is you can see the next two guys, Adam Shank and Aaron Cole, Eric Cole, excuse me. Adam Schenck made it all the way to the Tour Championship. Eric Cole made it to the BMW Championship. So those two guys play a ton of events. And because they qualified for the BMW Championship, they are going to be automatically in all of the signature events this season. Nick Hardy is next up on the list, also at 36 events. He's an interesting one because he did not make it to the BMW Championship, but he did qualify for the signature events. So um, he is a guy that is going to be um, that you're going to want to look at as well. Looking down the list, the next guys in terms of like events and um, you know how they qualified, um, Ben Griffin was kind of in the. Um, the Nick Hardy range where he was in the top 10 of the fall swing. And so now he is qualified for the signature events. Adam Svensson played a ton of events and is now qualified for all the signature events. And Sam Ryder played a ton of events and is now qualified for the signature events. So um, those would be like the grinders that you're going to want to make sure to get guys like that in your lineup. Now the list I'm looking at right here stops at 34, but um, there are a lot of guys that are near the top that played like 33 and 32. Sungjae Im, um, Ben An, Siwoo Kim, um, all those guys play a ton of events. Akshay Batia was only on the PGA Tour for like half a season, and he had a, a very high percentage of events played. Um, so those are some other guys that you're going to want to consider because if those guys are playing almost every week, then you're going to get their score in your lineup almost every week, which is super, super vital. Now, the segments are important to understand as well because when you look at the segments um, for these underdog tournaments, you're going to want to make sure that you get as much out of each segment as possible because if you are drafting a team with segment five in mind, you might not get out of segment one. 
So it's going to be super important to build together a team where you're going to have guys that are going to play in each segment, guys that are going to um, you know, have different strengths in different segments. So what I mean by that is this. Round one, which is the first six events, there are there is two signature events in that segment. There is the player's championship in that segment. So if you draft some guys that aren't qualified for the signature events, then that means that you're going to get probably two, maybe even three out of six events in segment one that you're going to get guys that don't have scores for. But at the same time, there's also the Mexico Open and the Cognizant Classic in segment one. These are weaker field events. And so a lot of the big dogs aren't going to go play those events. So you got to balance it out where you, we want guys that are going to be qualified for the signature events, but also some guys that are going to go play the lesser known, lesser field events. So Kind of keeping that in mind, if you look at segment two, there are no signature events in segment two, but there is a major, the Masters. So you're going to want to make sure that when segment two, you have guys that are qualified to play the Masters. Segment three is like the opposite of segment two, though, because you have two signature events and the PGA Championship out of four events. So if you have a lot of guys that aren't qualified for these signature events in segment three, you're going to really be screwed. So I hope this makes sense for looking at this format. Um, The one thing I think is worth noting about segment five is segment five ends at the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. So it might be wise to get a guy or two who's good at playing golf across the the pond so that way um, they can give you some good fantasy scoring in segment five if you do make it to that final. All right, now one thing I did go back and look at was I went and looked at course history for every single course that is on this schedule and saw who was playing these events and who was playing well at these events. I'm calling them the segment kings, right? Who played well in each segment and played a lot of events in each segment. So for segment one, at the top of the board, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Max Homa all have elite history at a lot of those courses in segment one. Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy particularly excel at um, Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and the Players Championship. Uh, Max Homa also generally plays a lot of events in the Florida Swing as well, and he was really good at um, Riviera l- last year and, and previous years as well. Um, Tyrrell Hatton also has pretty good history because this segment one is mostly the Florida Swing. Um, Eric Cole, great history in the Florida Swing. Tony Finau won at the Mexico Open. Um, he's also been pretty good at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, um, so he's a guy that should be pretty good for segment one. Billy Horschel and Justin Suh, two more guys who did well at at the Florida Swing. Segment two is like the Texas Swing and then the Masters. So the guys who are elite at segment two, you got Scotty Scheffler again. Jordan Spieth plays really well in Texas and at the Masters. Sam Burns plays really well in Texas and um, not a great history at the Masters though. Um, And then Corey Connors does have a good history at both Texas courses and the Masters. Segment three, you're looking at more um, like the PGA Championship segment and where you get um, Quail Hollow in this segment. The three kings of this segment are Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, and Wyndham Clark. Segment four, where you're getting into like the pre-U.S. Open segment, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, Denny McCarthy, and Shane Lowry excel in those four segments. Shane Lowry generally goes and plays the RBC Canadian Open every single year, and he does have good history at that event. Cantlay, Morikawa, and Denny all good have good history at the Memorial Tournament, um, as well as a few of the other courses on there. And then segment five, you're looking at a lot of the summer birdie fest events and then um, the Scottish Open and Open Championship. The kings of segment five are Xander Shoffley, Brian Harmon, Minwoo Lee, and Adam Schenk. So um, just those guys are the guys I would kind of elevate for one segment over the other. I don't think you necessarily have to draft with this in mind, but I think it would be a pretty good idea to make sure you look at segment one and segment two and try to get one of those guys that you know is going to give you a good first or second segment. 
Now, I do have a few tiers for you because I think that the way that this draft breaks down is different. I'm not going to have like a player-by-player rankings on this show. More on that here in a second. Um, But I do have some tiers. So tier one is going to be the big three. Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, and Roy McIlroy. Um, I think that these three stand above the rest. I think that they have more win equity than anybody else in the entire player pool. Um, And I think that, generally speaking, Scotty and Victor play a ton of events. And Rory has said he's going to play more events before the Masters this year, which is generally a segment that he's kind of taken off. So um, except for like the, the Florida courses, he generally plays well at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the Players' Championship. So I think that those three guys stand in a tier above their own, like above everybody else. Um, and those are like the three guys that should go first in drafts, in my opinion. Tier two is Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, Ludwig Ober, and Jordan Spieth. Now, what you will notice is this. The way these tiers lined up, tier one is three players. Tier two is nine players. So what basically ends up happening here is with a draft of six players in a snake draft format, if you end up in the top three and you get one of my tier one guys, it's not likely that you're going to get one of the tier two guys because that's exactly nine players. And and those are the nine that I think should be taken um, by the time that that rolls around. So um, basically what what you're going to look for in a draft, in my opinion, is I either want to be in slot four, five, or six and have one of the tier one guys fall to me, or I want to be pick one, two, three, where I'm able to get one of the tier one guys. And then hopefully one of the tier two guys falls to me. Now, tier three if I'm sitting there at pick one, two, or three, and I can't get one of the tier one or can't get one of the tier two guys in round two, I want to try to get two of these tier three guys at the turn. My favorites are Eric Cole, Tyrrell Hatton, Sung JM, and Tom Kim. So um, basically, if I can start my early draft with either getting um, a guy from tier one and then two guys from the remaining tiers, or start my draft off with two guys from tier two, I'm gonna feel like I'm in pretty good shape. A guy that I feel like is being undervalued in this format. Is Jordan Spieth because Spieth generally plays a lot of events and he has courses that he plays really well at. Eric Cole is also a guy that I think is being undervalued because Eric Cole plays every single week, it seems like. So um, why not go ahead and get a guy who's going to play every single week and you make sure that you know you're going to get that counting score from him. Now, later on in the draft, I have guys that I like, guys that I have um, looked back at you know, wh- how I've drafted and guys that I end up with more than the field. So guys that I like in mid to late rounds include Denny McCarthy, guy that plays a ton of events. He's one of the best putters on tour. And anytime you have a guy who has a very discernible skill set that shows up at multiple courses where he is world-class, one of the best in the world at, I think that generally bodes well for him playing well and winning more events. Um, if you've been listening to all my golf shows the past year and a half, you know my affinity for Akshay Batia. I think he's super talented. He also plays a ton of events. Justin Suh is a guy that I've drafted a lot. I think he's going to take the next step this year. Um, he's a guy who, like Denny McCarthy, is an elite putter. He is also a guy who is really, really good in segment one. So um, I think taking him late rounds and trying to just make sure that you get out of segment one is a very wise strategy. Siwoo Kim is a guy I like because Siwoo has, is, is, has the chance to go nuclear every time he tees it up. Um, he also plays a ton of events. Um, and so he's just a really high upside play, in my opinion. Adam Shank, we talked about him a little bit earlier, a guy that plays a ton of events and he's qualified for the signature events. Um, And so I think he's a guy you can scoop up late in rounds and just get a ton of fantasy points from. Alex Noren is a guy I've drafted a lot as well. Another guy who plays a lot, and I really liked what he was doing in the fall swing. Um, And I think his game is in a really good spot heading into this season. Adam Svensson plays a ton of events. 
Austin Eckrow, kind of like Justin Suh, is a guy that I think is going to take the next step. Now, the last three that I have listed here, Adrian Moronk, Rio Hisat Sune, and Alexander Bjork, all three of those guys are coming over from the DP World Tour. They are free in drafts right now. You can get them in the last round. Um, and I just think they have a lot of upside, right? Like if a guy was able to win some events on the DP World Tour, probably means they're going to be able to win some events on the PGA Tour as well. And also all three by coming over to me are indicating that they want to be here long term. And they're probably going to play a lot of events to make sure that they qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs and make sure that they get their PGA Tour cards um, for the foreseeable future. I do not believe any of them are qualified for the signature events right now. Though, so they'll have to do something here in the early season to get qualified for those. But like I said, I think they're going to be playing in a lot of the um, lesser known field events. Now, a few rules to follow because right now there's a lot of content out here for PGA Best Ball. There's a lot of information out there for you, but I want to kind of try to summarize it and just make sure that you guys know what you're looking at because this is the first season of PGA Best Ball. And so there's a lot of people out there that are not exactly spreading great information. Whoops, how did I do that? Somehow I ended up on my one and done screen. There we go. So um, when it comes to drafting, ADP is a predictive measure for the draft, not for the season. So what that means is I will generally look at ADP to try to figure out who's going to be available the next time I pick, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take the top player at the top of ADP. No one really knows what they're doing for this format yet because it's the first season. So there's a lot of guys whose ADP I think is not indicative of where I would draft them at and is not indicative of where they're going to finish as the season goes on. So use ADP to kind of predict where you're, what you're going to be able to do in the next few rounds, but don't use ADP as like a tiebreaker for who you're going to draft. And speaking of which, I don't think there's an exact science to ranking individual golfers right now in best ball because we don't know what these guys' schedules is going to look like. No matter what somebody says, no matter how much research they put in, there's a lot of people out there who've done a really good job of projecting who is going to play what event. But no one knows 100% who is playing which events. And no one knows 100% who's going to play well at which events. Do I have guys that I like? Yes. Do I have guys that um, I will not be drafting? Yes. Does that mean I'm going to be 100% right each and every week? No. Golf is unpredictable. That's part of the fun of it. So, um, you know, there's no exact science for this. And so I'm a big proponent of getting your guys, right? And so I'm going to skip one bullet point and come back to it. I want to get the guys I want to draft, right? But if I'm going to be drafting multiple entries, I'm going to build a wide portfolio. I'm going to make sure that I don't overexpose my guy to one guy. Because think about last year, if you had done best ball and drafted Will Zalatoris and he missed the entire rest of the season after the Masters, you would have been screwed if you had Will Zalatoris in every single draft. So build a wide portfolio, draft a lot of different guys, but it should be guys that you like, guys that you feel confident about. And no draft is going to break the same way. And so I've kind of ended up with entries where I've drafted, for example, Cam Davis around his ADP. I've also gotten Cam Davis in like round nine or round 10, just because sometimes that's how a draft breaks and he falls to me. So um, don't, exi- don't feel like you have to lock yourself into one specific strategy or one specific player. Last thing, and then we're going to get to this live draft. No live guys. Don't draft them. Don't do it. Anybody who's making content and advising drafting them is not telling you wise information. Like it's just not because they're only going to get four events unless somehow the PGA tour and live merge in the next month. They're, you're only going to get four events out of them. And those four events are the majors, which means that the majors aren't going to feature as much scoring because there's not going to be as much birdies and eagles at those events. And you, you're going to have to make the cut at those events. So you might draft a live guy who makes a cut at two out of four majors and you've got 
two counting scores from him. That's not a smart proposition. It's just not. It's not a good idea. Let everybody else in your lobby draft the lift, guys. I mean, think about if you were played best ball football last year, and I told you, hey, Justin Jefferson's going to play four games. Do you want to draft him? The answer would be a resounding no. Now, granted, I think he ended up playing like seven games, but you get the concept, right? Like, don't draft a guy who's only going to play four events. Just don't. So, so let everybody else take the live, guys. We're not going to do that. All right, so that does it for all the information and all the strategy. We're now going to join a live draft room and do a draft here live on the show. All right, so we fired up a live draft here on Underdog, and shockingly, we got pick one. We got the first overall pick. So um, what's really interesting is I have done 10 of these drafts so far, um, and in every single draft, I had gotten pick two, three, or four exactly. I'd never been pick one, never been pick five, never been pick six. So I'd actually only gotten Scotty Scheffler in one lineup where I think the guy that picked first made a mistake. He picked Mackenzie Hughes first, and I had picked two, and I got Scotty Scheffler. So now in this one, now that I got pick one, um, which is kind of a boring one to do live, but um, I'm going to take Scotty Scheffler with the first overall pick. I think that is a very easy choice. Um, I think he is the best golfer in the world, the best tee to green golfer in the world. The only thing that he generally doesn't have going for him is the putter, but um, he's so good tee to green that I'm not really super duper concerned about um, about that. So um, looking at how the draft is going here, Victor Hovland has gone pick two. Roy McIlroy has gone pick three. That is pretty self-explanatory. Um, that, that's how I would draft it if I were drafting. If I had picked two and Scotty was gone, I'd be taking Victor. If I had picked three and Scotty and Victor were gone, I would be taking Rory. So this is really kind of where the draft starts now that the big three are done. So we're going to get to see what this guy does here at pick four. Now, thinking ahead, you know, I know that if I had picked one, I'm going to end up having picked 12. Um, and so I'm really kind of eyeing this little range of like, Eric Cole to Jordan Spieth is is my next two picks. If I can, if I can get Eric Cole or Jordan Spieth to fall to me, I'm, I'm going to be feeling pretty good about where this draft is going to end up. So let's see if that actually happens. Um, now the guy that had pick four did go a little bit. Um, whoa, this is getting to be a really different draft. Um, pick four was Ludwig Ober. Pick five was Sung J M. Um, I have those guys on some of my teams so far, but I have not taken either of them in the first round. Um, and so now, back-to-back um, -back picks six and seven, Xander Shoffley and Eric Cole. Um, a little disappointed Eric Cole didn't fall to us, but I get it. He's going to play in the most events, and, and he's playing really well right now. So I kind of understand him being taken there at the top of the second round. Surprisingly, Patrick Cantlay is still on the board, though. Um, and pick eight was Tyrrell Hatton. So um, pick nine, Russell Henley. So Patrick Cantlay, pick 10, Minwoo Lee. Wow. If Patrick Cantlay falls to me here at pick 12, that would be like super crazy. Um, in, in fact, the way I'm looking at it right now, it's Cantlay. Okay, so Cantlay went 11. So falling to me, I've got Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, and Jordan Spieth. That's, I, I, I would not have anticipated this. So we're going to go ahead and, um, we're going to go ahead and draft here Colin Morikawa. Hold, what is going on with my underdog app? Um, so we're going to draft Morikawa um, here at pick 12. And then um, we are going to take, okay, something, something's not working here on underdog. We're going to take Max Homa here at pick 13. I've not been able to get Max Homa for um, many of my rosters because um, 
pretty much picking two, three, or four. He generally is not there in the second round when I'm drafting. Um, but now it's crazy that he, he's been – he fell all the way to pick 13 here now that I'm pick number one. So uh, I would not have been – disappointed at all to take Jordan Spieth or Tom Kim with those two picks. Those would have been the guys that I probably would have taken if Morikawa and Homa had been gone. Um, but, you know, very happy with how this draft started out so far with a Scotty Cowan um, Homa start. Um, now, the rest of the third round, the third round is rolling on here. Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, and Ben Ahn have been the next three guys that have been drafted. So two of my favorite guys, Jordan Spieth and Tom Kim, um, we're still on the board here in the, in the second half of the third round. Tom Kim just went at pick 17. Well, Speed just went at pick 18. Tommy Fleetwood picked 19. I'm not going to lie, y'all. Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick are two guys that I am not drafting a whole lot of because they generally don't play a whole lot of events in the States. You know, the, um, Matt Fitzpatrick generally played a really light schedule. Um, Tommy Fleetwood's still playing in a lot of events on the DP World Tour. Um, so those are two guys that I'm not taking a whole lot of. And um, the trend seems to be continuing here on Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, he, he's fallen now to pick 21, um, as Brian Harmon just went at pick 20. Um, I'm a little disappointed Harmon went. I would have gladly taken Brian Harmon if he fell all the way back down to me. That's a very solid segment five player, where if you can make it to segment five and you got um, Brian Harmon in your lineup, you got to be feeling pretty good. Um, so now pick 21 and 22 have been Steven Yeager and Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, I so I'm one pick away right now, and I got to be honest, y'all, I will not be taking Wyndham Clark or Ricky Fowler with, with my next two picks. So um, let's see what ends up happening. Sam Burns went at pick 23. So um, I will gladly, with these two picks, I'm going to take um, Sahith Thigawa, a guy that plays a lot of events, a guy that I think is on the rise. And then I'm going to take, hmm, JT Poston or Denny McCarthy? I'm going to go with, eh, I don't know. JT Poston's been really, really good lately. He generally plays a lot of events. You know what? Let's go with JT Poston. That's going to be my guy here, JT Poston. Um, and so now I've got a long way before I pick again. I would have been totally okay to pick Denny McCarthy there in that spot. But like I said, I was not going to touch Wyndham Clark or Ricky Fowler. So I'm hoping those two guys will go by the time that it, it gets back to me. So that way I don't have to make a tough decision on drafting them at the end of the fourth or end of the end of the sixth or the seventh round. So my first five feeling pretty good about. I got Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, Sahith Thigawa, and JT Poston. Um, I feel like I've got the right mix of guys who are really good at golf and going to play a lot of events. Um, you know, Scotty generally plays a pretty heavy schedule. Um, Sahith and JT generally play a pretty heavy schedule. And I think Sahith, being a younger guy, has the chance to just make the leap this year. And um, that, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Now, round five has came and went as I was talking. Daniel Berger went pick 26. That is super interesting. I, I would have thought that you could have gotten him way later in the draft than that. Akshay Batia picked 27. Shoot, I really wanted Akshay there at the end of the sixth round. Um, Ricky Fowler, 28. Adam Shank, 29. That's one of my guys right there. I really, really was going to take Adam Shank if he fell back to me, but oh well. Um, and then Cameron Young picked 30. Good. I don't, I don't have to make a tough decision on him. Chris Kirk, 31. Seth Straka, 32. So with um, 
with Chris Kirk, he's a guy that is shooting up draft boards um, because of how he has been playing on tour recently. Um, and so I get it. Like, I understand why he's moving up. It, it would come down for him. Do you think that he's doing something that is sustainable or do you think that it's just kind of a um, flash in the pan how well he's been playing lately? So um, I think that's an interesting one. He's probably a guy that's got a lot of variability on where he's going to be drafted. Now, the end of the sixth round. Brendan Todd, Adam Svensson, and Keegan Bradley have gone. Svensson was one of my guys that I liked. I really would have taken Svensson. Um, maybe not this round, but maybe the next two. Um, but good news for me is my guy, Denny McCarthy, fell all the way back to me. So perfect scenario there where I get the guy that I want, you know, two rounds later than I almost took him. And so now we've got a really tough decision to make. I'm going, it's Wyndham Clark, Corey Connors, Siwoo Kim, Jason Day, Will Zalatoris at the top of the board. Huh. You know what? I'm going to take Siwoo Kim. Siwoo plays almost every week. Siwoo is qualified for the signature events. Um, feel pretty good about Siwoo. Corey Connors is probably the guy that I would have, I was really considering instead. So um, maybe we'll get lucky and maybe Corey Connors will fall all the way back down to me here at, um, at the end of the eighth round. But I'm feeling really good about my start, y'all. Uh, I'm feeling really good about almost drafting Denny McCarthy at pick 25 and being able to get him at pick 36. I think that's a, a really solid value. Um, th this round's going kind of slow. Nikolai Hoygaard just went. That is a tough name to pronounce. Corey Connors, pick 39. Wyndham Clark, pick 40. Um, I guess he just decided that Wyndham Clark had fallen too far. Um, so... Yeah, an interesting way that Wyndham Clark fell. I, I guess the the live rumors are a little heavy for Wyndham Clark right now to me. And, and also, he's not playing good golf right now. So um, just, I feel like if he made it all the way back to me at pick 48, I would have had a really tough decision to make. But um, Wyndham Clark is not a guy that I'm drafting a whole lot just because of, you know, if he does go to live, he's toast. Um, and if you know, if he doesn't bounce out of this funk that he's in, he, he's not going to be worth where he's being taken at in most lobbies. This is the farthest I've seen um, Wyndham Clark fall all the way to pick 40. So now I've only got three picks left. Um, the end of that seventh round was Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin coming back down for the eighth round. Cam Davis, Bo Hostler, Jason Day, and Emiliano Grillo. I kind of understand all of those picks. Um, what I want to do here is I want to get guys here at the end of my draft that are going to play a ton of events. So, dang, one of the guys that I was looking at for that, Andrew Putnam, just got drafted right in front of me. So one guy that plays a ton of events, and I mean a ton of events, is Lee Hodges. Um, and Lee Hodges won the 3M Open last year. Looks like he's trending in the right direction. Um, so let's go ahead and take Lee Hodges here at pick 48, if I can take him. Okay, I don't know how I didn't hit the draft button there, but we'll take him. Um, and now for pick 49, I only got two more picks, y'all. So I would really like Justin Suh or Adrian Moronk to be able to fall back to me. Um, so what I'm going to do here is, again, I want guys that are going to play a lot of events. So let's go ahead and take Alex Norin right here. And then I feel like I'm pretty good set up that I can get one of the guys I like at the end of the draft at the last round. So um, 
one thing that's going to be interesting in this one, how many live guys get taken, right? That's going to be one of the big variables in um, kind of all the drafts that we're seeing right now. And also another one, uh, how far is Will Zalatoris going to drop? So Will Zalatoris playing this week at the American Express, he made the cut. He, he's looking better. Um, and here's the thing. He's not qualified for the signature events right now because he didn't play a whole lot last year. So maybe if Will Zalatoris somehow falls all the way back to me, I might have to consider that because he might not be qualified for the signature events yet, which means that he's going to be highly motivated to play in all of the other events. And so, you know, I've got plenty of guys that are going to play in the signature events. Like, look at the top of my team, Sheffer Morikawa, Homa, Thigawa, Poston, right? So maybe Zalatoris, if he falls back to me, might be worth a flyer. Up oh, as I say that, Will Zalatoris gets taken. Um, you know, we've reached the end of the ninth round here. The 10th round is starting. After I picked Alex Noren, it went Harris English, who's a guy that I'd, I'd actually like quite a bit. Um, Lucas Glover, Patrick Rogers, Will Zalatoris went at pick 53, Aaron Rye, pick 54, Taylor Moore, pick 55. Taylor Moore's a guy that I, I kind of like as well. Brandon Wu, 56, Justin Rose, 57, Grayson Murray, 58, huh? Funny how you win one PGA Tour event and everybody wants to take you. Adam Scott, 59, that was not a guy I was going to be taking anyway. So now I've got pick 60 and Hideki and Lowry are still on the board, but I got to be honest, I'm not really super interested in them because they don't play a ton of events. And so um, let's go ahead and we're going to take my guy, Justin Suh, right here. Um, guy that plays a lot of events, really good in the Florida swing, really should help me secure that um, that first segment. Because, hey, if you don't make it out of segment one, you can't get on to segment two, right? All right, so that does it for... Um, the live draft, y'all. So um, very quick 12-minute draft there. Hopefully, um, if you were listening on audio, hopefully I did a good enough job of explaining it to you. If you're watching on YouTube, hopefully um, I was able to um, keep it entertaining but also show what was going on in an adequate way. I want to do more of these, y'all. So maybe I might hop back on the YouTube channel and do a few, few more live drafts. Let me know in the comments. Do you want to see um, any more live drafts or do you have any questions on strategy or, or why I didn't draft a guy or why I did draft a guy? Let me know. Like Reach, reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. So anyway... That does it for this episode here on PGA Best Ball 2024. Um, really excited about this format. I love best ball football, and so I love that best ball is coming to golf. I think it is a great addition by Underdog, and I'm very much looking forward to it this season um, and hoping that you know maybe we can make a little bit of money off of it, right? So either way, that does it for this episode, guys. We do cover PGA Tour golf on a weekly basis as well as college basketball. So make sure you subscribe to the channel so that way you can get notified when all those episodes drop. And um, drop a like to the video if you like what you saw as well. The likes help me out more than you could ever know. Um, and I really do appreciate it. If you're listening on audio, please rate and review. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. So best of luck to you in PGA Best Ball, and I will see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.